0: And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Welcome to episode 12 of Down on the Docks. Uh, my name is Chris Deff. I'm joined by always as my good friend and comedian, uh, Dustin Torres. Ready to go. As my uh, good friend. As my good friend. As my good friend and, <laughs> good friend hey, and I'm, comedian. Hey, I'm, I'm going as Dustin as Halloween. <laughs> and, and He's and acting I'm, as Dustin.
1: You're going to scalp yourself, huh? And of right. course, uh, getting in there with the
0: quick zingers that don't make any sense, Dave Sarah. <laughs> Hello. Guys, are you ready for a special Halloween episode? Boo.
2: I am. Yeah,
0: we, <laughs> we might bust out that fence.
1: Uh, Are we gonna bust them out? Maybe we'll see.
0: Yeah. So we we thought we'd get a little festive. Um, so hmm. on that note, we decided to cover a documentary uh, called Killer Legends.
2: Ooh. Yeah.
0: So this was directed by a guy named Joshua Zeman. Did you guys ever see Cropsy?
3: Hey, he was a pervert. Yeah. Cropsy? No.
0: Oh, wasn't he? Oh, crop the Cropsy. You don't know about the Cropsy? No. So there was this, he made this film in, I want to say 2009, 2011, called Cropsey. And it was about a Staten Island boogeyman. That had killed five people, and everybody thought it was just an urban legend. But it turns out it was true. Which
3: is low for Staten Island. <laughs> Staten Island, you already—I'm
0: already scared. Dude. Anyway, this guy got convicted of kidnapping two young children, and you know was connected to this inmate asylum. So it has all the great elements of a great horror story. So this is uh, another film he made. Um, Staten Island—they're
1: going to feed me spaghetti to death.
2: Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, this this film is called Killer Legends. Now, if you want to watch it, you can watch it on Amazon free uh, with Tubi ads. So, okay. you know, I think it's like four different ads. So, what's Tubi now? Well, you should just side. go out and <laughs> try to get some pussy. <laughs> There's a lot of different channels, Dave. This one's called Tubi.
1: You've never heard of the expression Netflix and get your dick sucked? You don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tubi and sleep, yeah. Dave. All right, so here's what we're going to be in for. We're, this this film is going to break down four urban legends, okay, and attempt to prove if they're real and what their origin story is, if any. So mm. the prologue uh, we open on the director's narration, and I'm going to probably go in and out of his voice a little bit just to distinguish it. Sure. He says... Every town has its legend. <laughs> he, he sounds like, like Ray T- Liotta <laughs> a little bit, dude. All your all
1: your impressions sound the same. Every right? town no, no has its legend. Three
2: three he, levels of he he,
0: hate. He, he. he sounds like Ray Liotta a little bit. So he says, every <laughs> he town don't. has its legends. <laughs> every neighborhood has its boogeyman. I always now. knew I wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> um, one, a killer with a hook for a hand. Two, the drifter who snatches children. And three, the witch who lives in the woods. So Joshua mentions that, again, he grew up on Staten Island where he first learned about the Cropsy, uh, who was supposedly an escaped mental patient who lived in vacant buildings in the woods and snatched children off the streets.
3: Most people from Staten Island. Pretty much. Uh,
0: <laughs> of, of course. Body snatchers.
3: Of course, <laughs> this <laughs> urban
0: legend did, in fact, turn out to be true when five local children went missing. So... With Cropsey, Joshua discovered a much darker history uh, with the mental institution and was inspired to investigate more with this film called Killer Legends. So the beginning of the film, Joshua returns to his old stomping grounds in Staten Island where the murders took place in these like blown out buildings, graffiti everywhere. And this time he's joined by his sidekick and reporter, Rachel Mills. So she's going to join him on these adventures. They're going to go to many different cities tracking down these urban legends. Now, Joshua believes that all urban legends begin with some sort of truth behind them. I guess, yeah, of course, that makes a little bit of sense, right?
1: Nobody just pulls uh,
0: an urban legend out of their ass. Yeah. Joshua does.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, some of them, I'm sure, are pulled out of people's asses. (laughs) There's been a few. (laughs) Okay, maybe you're right. I mean, come on. Okay. Mothman. Come on, black <laughs> man prophecies? No,
0: that came from a true source. Yeah,
1: Slenderman is that one? Slender man. Okay, man has got
0: to be bullshit. Skinwalker Ranch. I like that. Chupacabra. You know, chupacabre. no, we had them in Texas. They're real.
1: Yeah, sounds like something you want to order at a taco truck. Let me get the chupacabre.
0: <laughs> anyway, no, you're thinking of Chicharrones the fried skins. Yeah. So anyway, Joshua speculates that we create our own legends, legends because the truth is more terrifying. So. Over black, we, we, we read a title and it says, not everyone comes to Lover's Lane. To hook
1: up.
3: Yeah, some of us are so single. We need a place to go jerk <laughs> off in the bushes. That's what I was thinking. Like, like...
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, mama. Oh, mama. Oh, mama. Is that All what right. you do? That's yeah. This is the sound that how of a guy masturbating in the corner. Okay. Horror. All right. I was
0: like, so Josh introduces us to the famous hook legend. Have you ever heard of the hook legend? <laughs> I have now. No, no. Okay. no, no. It's I'm hooked. Not a, it's not a guy with an umbrella dick. So <laughs> Damn it. See? Not... All right. As legend goes, a young couple is parked at a lover's lane Mm. in the middle of a heavy petting session. When they hear a report on the radio that a crazed man with a hook for a hand has escaped from the local
1: insane asylum,
3: why, why the fuck did he have a hook in the first place, and why they allow him to have the hook
1: there and when he left is what I want to think. Yeah, like, the hook does seem like a yeah, very yeah, in, exactly. inferior. Hey, that guy's got a hook on him. Kind of a it's only for self defense, but then <laughs> right. you should just have a yeah. you want to see a wrench on the end of that. <laughs> hand. I mean, it's something like I that. Need this yeah, hook. wrench would be a great idea actually. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so the frightened girl immediately demands that
3: the boyfriend drive him home. Her her home. And leaves him with blue balls because think about (laughs) it. like, Hey, I know you're all hot and bothered. Well,
1: it's better than hooking balls. (laughs) Hooking balls (laughs) like beanie weenies. So
3: finally he gets
0: home and drops her off. And when he turns around to the other side of the car... He finds the missing hook oh. dangling from oh. the, 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 naturally <laughs>
1: the, they, the
0: car, and yeah. it's been ripped out of the guy's. No, socket.
1: So he's got a double. <laughs> you never heard this story. Double ripped arm. So no, first he loses, no, 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 no. First, he doesn't
0: have two double. No, 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 what I'm
1: do say, you like, have about? Double no, like, arm. You lose your hand. <laughs> yeah, and then you lose the hook hand. <laughs> Correct. Attached to oh, that. Okay, so he got fucked <laughs> twice. I get it. Yeah, yeah right, he Lost yeah. his yeah. The point I, I is you never heard this
0: story when you're growing up.
1: I mean, I used to hear no, no, not specifically.
0: All right, so well, here's the thing: we meet a f- American folklore enthusiast by the name of Stephen Winnick. Not a weirdo at all. No, he believes the hook hand legend originated in the 1950s and first appeared in the Dear Abby column entitled Beware of Which the Which I don't thing.
3: understand. Here's the deal. I don't understand. How the fuck did that come up with Dear Abby? One day asking, like, hey, how do I uh, crimp a pie crust? And then next week, you're like, Dear Abby, how do I get this hook in my pussy? It doesn't make any sense to me. Dear Abby is like a normal fucking...
0: Here's the thing. If you had a hook in your pussy, you're not going to be writing to Dear Abby.
1: I don't even right? know what Dear Abby is. Oh,
0: you don't remember what Dear Abby is? Okay, no. Dear Abby was an advice column mm. that was uh,
1: syndicated ah. through
0: like every newspaper. Wow. Never took a,
2: talked about hooky
1: boomer <laughs> ass shit. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no.
0: It's before boomers. Yeah. It's, it's the boomers' parents. The boomers' parents? Yeah. The, no uh, pussy hooks, though. I
1: forgot what they call them. The best generation? Yeah, the great they them, generation. The great generation.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway. The hook legend, according to him, was probably created as a warning to teenagers about the dangers of sex. So the thing is, in Texarkana in 1946, for a group of teenagers, this just wasn't just a <laughs> Here <cautionary we> go. <laughs> tale. So in the spring of that year... A masked man known as the Phantom attacked four couples and killed five people. Shit.
1: The attack- That's true. Then this yes. is the, this is okay. where they think the origin
0: story oh, comes shit. from. Shit. So the attacks were also cyclical in nature <laughs> on <laughs> evenings with a full moon. Uh, ooh. Yeah. It was like I every like twenty-one
1: days. I like this. Um, mm.
0: they were also called the Moonlight Murders. Ah, oh, fuck, man. To this day, nobody has ever been caught.
1: Whoa. So, what
0: did Josh and Rebecca do? They go back to the original crime scene. Now, at night. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> so they, here's the thing about this
1: these they guys knocking
0: on yeah.
3: people's door in Texas at 10 p.m. Yeah, we'll get to that.
0: The point is, they always do shit at night. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of Scooby Dooing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Scooby Doo. Yeah. So, so on March 24th, 1946, the first victims were Polly Ann Moore, 17, and Richard L. Griffin, 29. Who were found in Griffin's car, shot in the back of the heads with a thirty-eight caliber revolver while parked at... Pretty big length. age difference, if yeah. you ask me. I mean, like statutory yeah.
3: rate, maybe?
1: Wait, Dude, wait, what, what were the ages?
3: 17 and so, 29. Yeah, but uh, back, back yeah. then, age of consent was like nine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it was nine. <laughs> 12, maybe. <laughs> yeah,
3: 12. I grew up in Texas. It was not nine. Dude, okay. that's...
1: um, Yeah, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's definitely the... 60s and 50s probably this is the 40s bro. 40s wow even, okay great even about... generation we yeah, do, yeah do. right after
0: the war so <laughs> anyway according to evidence polly ann moore was raped outside of the car and then put back in the car and mm. then shot that oh, makes sense yeah. yeah so they meet and interview a local historian and author named james presley who wrote a town in terror now according to him at the time the term serial killer wasn't used. We obviously know that. It wasn't even used when Bundy was killing people. Um, but cops were unaware of the the concept of serial killers. Uh, so he leads them to an ex-suspect by the name of Yule Swinney, who was an ex-con at the time. Now, according to testimony, Yule and his bride, a prostitute named Peggy.
1: Okay. <laughs> Every <Yeah>.
0: time, dude. <laughs> had been arrested. <laughs> At the time for stealing cars, Peggy confessed that Yule was in fact the Phantom Killer, but refused to sign a confession.
3: I thought you couldn't if you if you were married to someone, right? You couldn't testify against your husband, except if you're a hooker. They
1: don't That's count. right. Yeah, fuck yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> it was a hooker's testimony. Hookers aren't real wives. Well, you don't. You're not compelled. You're
0: not <laughs> yeah. compelled hooker with the heart to, of gold. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, so anyway, testify against them. the local judge sent Swinney away for life for habitual habitual car thievery even though no physical evidence ever connected him to the crimes. <laughs> now, one month prior, um, Jimmy Hollis, age 24, and Mary Jean Larray, age 19, they were attacked on a secluded Lover's Lane as well. They got lucky, though, and survived after another car scared the Phantom Killer off. It away.
3: could have been a jacker, dude. This is why my grandpa stopped jacking <laughs> off at fucking Lover's Lane. He told, He's like, Dustin, do not do it there.
0: Anyway, <laughs> according to police reports, the Phantom Killer... He wore a bag over his face, Mm. like a potato sack. Cool. Um, Scary. With the only thing were uh, holes cut out for his eyes. Sure. So not even his mouth was like, had a hole. Well, how
3: did he eat pussy? (laughs) 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 He wasn't a pussy eating
0: killer. I'm
2: just saying, if
3: you don't have a mouth. Yeah, I get it. All right, I get it. I'm just saying. Don't have to explain it. I got it. You
0: understand what I mean? Anyway, the whole thing is this. During this, he assaulted Mary Jean with the barrel of his gun. Mm. Okay. So it's due to the nature of this attack and the sexual assault with the barrel of the gun that leads Stephen Winnick to believe this is possibly the origin of the man with a hook for a hand story. So the man with a hook for a hand story interesting.
1: yeah, yeah was that a was that a gun or a hook in your pussy? What was that
0: <laughs> so the the hook for a hand story has been seen in many movies. You probably remember of them. Uh, uh, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, urban legend. Oh, that Yeah, Hook, the Hook. one with Robin oh. Williams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's that just? Peter Pan, Candyman, Candyman.
1: Oh, there you are, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That's from Peter Hook. Pan.
0: Oh, who says it?
1: The little kid is like looking, like he's like pushing his face, like trying okay. to find the child Got in him. It. God, yeah. like, you know.
0: Well, anyway, eyewitness reports um, so <laughs> say there was a man wearing a potato sack over his head with the eyes cut out. Not a pussy eater. <laughs> just like I'd explained. And this was later displayed in the 1976 cult classic film. It was a B movie. I even looked it up. The budget was $400,000. Mm. To- uh, the movie was called The Town That Dreaded Sundown, directed by Charles B. Pierce, starring who? Ben Johnson. Great actor. Uh and Don Wells from Gilligan's Island
1: fame. Sick.
0: Yeah, it's a great film. Which one is seen... he in Gilligan's
1: Island? No, 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 do-
0: she. Don Wells was a woman. Oh, okay. She was fucking It's a, a gender-friendly name. Marianne, Marianne. Gender-friendly Marianne. The hot oh, one, yeah. 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 So those. have you guys ever seen The Town of the Dreaded Sunset? No. So Gilligan's you did to me this week when I said, hey, guys, <laughs> I <can> watch <laughs> do it, I know The Town of the, the, like, the Dreaded Sunset? I did
1: my best, man.
0: So this <laughs> movie is amazing. For those that want to watch it, you can watch it with screen picks. Um, I think it's like a free week trial, cancel it. Anyway, I watched it, I loved it. It's kind of made in a faux documentary style, but it's a very, very well done movie. So the Phantom's likeness was also used in the Friday the 13th, part two movie. Um so Josh and Rebecca meet up with um another local researcher by the name of Casey Roberts. Um So he saw the film when he was seven. He got addicted to, you know, the Phantom case. And uh, he takes them to a location of a home that was used in the film where Virgil Starks was murdered uh, by two gunshots, shot through the window. And his wife, Katie, was shot in the face on May 3rd, 1946.
3: I'd be a little worried about going to that house with some old man I just met. It's like, hey, I'm a local. They went in the daytime now. Oh, yeah, because they normally do their business at night.
0: Yeah. So Casey believes the real phantom killer might have been a man that actually committed suicide and claimed to be the phantom killer in his suicide letter. Um, So this clue leads Josh and Rebecca to the local library to pull out the old microfiche.
1: Um, oh, my God. It was so hard. I remember using that one time my whole life. To jack off? <laughs> <laughs> Got to find a 1980s <laughs> pinup. No, but, uh, yeah, one time in my life used a microfiche. Yeah. it just feel like you were sleuthing? Yeah, mm. and it just reminds me of um, Back to the Future.
3: Mm.
0: They use microfiche Back I to the Future? I think so. I think it must I be in that's why
1: I, I think that's why. Maybe in two, because
0: yeah, I never, I've seen one a hundred thousand times and I don't remember. Might in be in courage. two. In I've my opinion, two is the best one. Times. I've never seen two, by the way.
1: That's the craziest thing in the world to say. Because yeah. they already knew being about your it. age. Because yeah. <laughs> the future. <laughs> yeah. You already I knew about it. It. no, but three I can understand. <laughs> three. <laughs> I was, saw three. You just never seen two's never the saw two the best one dude. No gonna, it's not. We're going to get we're going we're gonna to have, <laughs> no, slum- <laughs> have a slumber party and watch it one night. Yeah, you're no, not sleeping not. over here ever. Oh, <laughs> <shit>.
0: <laughs> so, let's keep going. So, they pull out the microfiche from the old Tex Gazette and they learn that the name The Phantom Killer was most likely pulled from a movie title that was playing at the same cu- time called The Phantom Speaks.
3: You imagine how hard it would be to jack off to microfiche? Just, just be honest, We're, guys. You, we're going back to this. It's pretty yes. easy, actually. Because like, if you plant, yeah. Yeah, like, plant, you're in the
0: library, Because yeah, <laughs> that
1: one time you were there, you did.
3: <laughs> you're like, trust
1: me, I know. I'm just say it's pretty easy. Like you just, you set it and forget it. You just. Oh. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, look. First of all, masturbating. You jack at off the li- the sepia tone newspaper. Le- C- masturbating tone? What the fuck? Masturbating at the library is not only wrong, but I'm saying it's very. I'm sure very difficult.
0: Anyway. Uh, according to Josh, the most important step to creating an urban legend is the naming of the boogeyman, yeah, ok? Just like the boogeyman's a good well, one. Well, if man. you think about it, like reporters, they're always like, "Hey, it's the Buffalo Bill," or you know, it's they need to sell soap. They got to yeah. get the headlines out there. <laughs> yeah. So you know, anyway, they get to this guy um, named Bill Ellis, who is a professor emeritus at Penn State. And he says that one of the roles that urban legends play is that a name is attached to something that gives people fear and anxiety,
3: or just turns yeah. them on. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, mean, I can see how a yeah. hooked
1: a hooked hand could yeah. turn somebody on.
3: All right, well,
0: how'd le- you lose the hand?
1: <laughs> the legend- lost in a girl's <laughs> pussy,
2: actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the legend grew stronger every year as the movie "The Town That Dreaded Sundown" was screened every year. You laugh in Texarkana's Spring Lake Park. It was where a location where one of the murders went down. So it's an annual event yeah. held every October. Sick. Yeah, I'm down. It is a little sick, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, if you think cool. about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Josh, uh, Joshua, and Rebecca they meet up with Robbie Patterson. He's the director of Texarkana Parks and Rec. And according to him, because of the history, they like having the screening where one of the murders took place. They have received complaints because some people don't think it's right, and some of the related family members that are still alive in town kind of object to yeah, it it's tasteless i, I can <laughs> yeah, all admit i <laughs>
1: admit it's a little tasteless
3: do they have any other mass murder festivals or is it just yeah. that one
0: and he also says police <laughs> were concerned that Boom. it might give someone else the idea to commit copycat murders sure. yeah. yeah so but ironically I'm hold on i'm thinking sorry. about it so ironically they there there was a film crew in town shooting a movie a remake of the town, that dreaded sunset, okay. or uh, the town that dreaded sundown, and the pitch of the movie is somebody goes to the screening festival and is inspired oh, to start god. the
1: murders. So now they're inspiring people to right. Be inspired. So they tell
0: Robbie this, and he goes, "Well, that's the first time I've heard of it." Oh
1: god! Yeah, it must thanks be to you, life. there's a mass murder
0: festival. Yeah, they, <laughs> it must be life imitating art. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so Josh and Rebecca. Um, Review the final victims: Betty Joe Booker, uh, who was a fifteen-year-old saxophonist for the local high school band, and her friend Paul Martin, who was sixteen at the time, at the original scene of the crime. And of course, they it's go, a fancy
1: way of saying like she plays in the band. She's a fifteen-year-old saxophonist, saxophonist yeah. for the ba- for the school.
0: The point is, they go do this slow thing at night. Yes, for effect. okay always. Anyway, always at night. Paul was shot. Four times.
1: Jesus Christ! Now,
0: Becky, Betty Joe Booker's body was found two miles away. She was shot twice, once in the face, and once in the midsection. Knock, knock,
3: knock. Have you heard of the Pussy Hook?
1: Wait, hold on. Okay, so, 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 the original murders happened when. 1946. And then these... At night. Now these, these like, this festival and stuff... like
0: No, no, no. This is the original murders I'm talking about. Okay. There was a group... There were multiple sets. They don't happen at every festival. Right. We're not in festival time. Okay, okay. We're in the 40s. Got it. So, anyway, they're out there in the dark, and Josh and Rebecca are like, they have actual crime scene photos, and they're like, oh, look, that's the tree that that she was found at. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, Joshua... He has a, like a, a heartfelt moment, and he says, I feel bad that we're never going to be able to find out who killed her. Yeah, mm-hmm. And Rebecca also walks into a spider web, and it's really scary. Oh, <laughs> it is, it <laughs> is. Because ah! ah! Netflix buys this. Because it was at night. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. In the original film version of The Town That Dreaded Sundown, the writers chose to change her from a saxophonist to a trombone player. Wow. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> she, now this was she, changed.
1: She, she wants that spit valve.
0: Uh, okay, here's the thing. The reason they did this was to make the killing more exotic. Mm-hmm. So, in, what they did is the killer in the movie he took a knife. And he attached it to the end of the trombone. You imagine oh, if it was, was a tuba. One. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been a <laughs> different fucking
0: movie altogether. <laughs> he would he
3: blow into
0: it, and then it would oh, it yeah. would like the knife would go and hit her. Oh
1: god.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Dave, like you've seen that so That's many times. Hilarious. Damn it. So they're,
1: they're like, yeah, they they judged it up for effect. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're a trombonist. Yeah. And so like somebody thought about that in a the scene. They're like, no, no, no. no so we'll do. We're gonna, we're going to change it to a trombonist yeah. so that we can have the knife scene.
0: I think the it's a trombone player. Is it? Trom- can you be a trombonist? I don't it's know. a 15-year-old rusty trombonist.
2: I'm,
1: I'm a rusty trombonist.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wah, 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 wah.
1: <laughs> so
0: anyway, their investigation also leads them to a man named Mark Bloodsoe. He's a former probation officer. He's obsessed with the case. He actually refers to himself as the phantom expert. Oh. Mm, yeah. Now, he has his own theory who the killer is. Bledsoe believes it is indeed Yule Swinney. Remember him? He was married to a prostitute hooker. How can I forget that name? Prostitute hooker. Peggy. (laughs) Sorry, Peggy. So, anyway. Did she have one leg? (laughs) A hook for a leg? No, no. But he tracked Yule down in a nursing home in 1994. He has this on videotape. So he pops in the videotape. I see that. Okay. Keep in mind, this guy is like 90, he's in a wheelchair. He's had a stroke, and he can barely talk. And Bledsoe asks him if the claim that his prostitute wife made was true and uh, if they were at the park that night. He claims his prostitute wife, Peggy, was lying at the time.
3: That hooker would say anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She'd say anything to get out of a jam. (laughs) (laughs) So, So Swinney also says, I hope they catch him someday. So Bledsoe then asks if he's innocent. And before he can respond, this nurse passes by the hallway and says, Hey, we're just checking on your all videotaping thing. And did you get a release? And the camera just cuts out. That's it. No way. Yep. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. So it's a total cliffhanger for Joshua and Rebecca. And they're like, we were so close. Yeah. So anyhow. Well,
1: like you think, I mean, also you, you could... Say that maybe not all of these people were killed by the same person. Maybe and
0: was that old hooker dead? Did they say anything about that? uh, That's what I wonder. Peggy ended up. Oh, Mm -hmm. Peggy. So here's the thing. Um, They decide to do more uh, uh, sightseeing. So they go to the tree in the middle of the park um, where she was killed by the trombone. Well, if you believe the movie version. And they say, according to them, because of the movie, most people believe that Betty Joe was killed by the trombone knife, and most residents oh. are not able to separate fact yeah. from fiction, and that's why the legend... Except ignored. for all the Piccolo sure.
3: players.
1: <laughs> 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 it's pretty good. Piccolo. You
0: guys ready for segment 2 Serious segment <sighs> two, baby. Okay. Do so it. this segment is called Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, Give Me Something Good
1: to Eat. Ah. Oh.
0: Now, any guesses on what this legend could be, Dave?
1: Um, uh, Somebody who puts uh, fentanyl on kids' candy. That's a very good guess. It is a good guess, actually. Because you are
0: exactly right. Wow. Okay, so Josh and Rebecca head to Houston, Texas to investigate the urban legend of the Candyman.
1: Yeah, ooh, that's so scary.
0: (laughs) Yep, at night. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, the Candyman uh, legend is not affiliated or associated with the movie version of the short story written by Clive Barker called The Candyman. That
3: hot black guy with a hook.
0: Interestingly enough, in The Candyman, the killer had a hook for a hand, but this is totally separate. So um, here's how The Candyman legend goes. Um, We've all heard that it goes like this. Parents used to tell their children not to go trick-or-treating to unfamiliar houses. However... Little Johnny disobeys his parents' advice. Once back at home, while Little Johnny is going through his loot with his friends, his parents hear a scream from the other room, and they discover Johnny has eaten candy that has been poisoned. Oh, no. He goes to the doctor, and unfortunately, the doctor says, it's too late. Little Johnny has died.
1: Oh, shit, man.
0: Yep. Okay, there are more stories that go on this theme of you know, kids with candy. Yeah. Now, you probably heard um, kids killed by uh, eating razor blades. Yeah. Pins. Um, there's also a myth that states that Halloween is a holiday invented by the druids to sacrifice children. Uh, so back in the 60s and 70s, there were PSA announcements warning parents that people were poisoning kids. So... The, uh, they did find a case where this actually happened in Long Island in 1964. A housewife named Helen File was upset with older kids trick-or-treating. So she handed out dog biscuits, steel wool, and poison ant buttons.
3: And if your kid was fucking dumb enough to eat steel wool or whatever the fucking ant trap is. Yeah. I'm pretty
0: sure that's... Yeah, bad. it's on them. What's an ant trap? It's on you as yeah, a exactly. parent, honestly. <laughs> your kid's <laughs> exactly. an idiot. Yeah. yeah. So... Helen went to trial and she testified it was just a joke, but she was still found guilty of child endangerment. So the fear really blew up in the 70s when outlets like Newsweek reported that a few children had died from ingesting poisonous candy and hundreds had narrowly avoided death by eating candy with razor blades in them. So according to a sociologist by the name of Joel Best from the University of Delaware...
3: Not a weirdo at all.
0: No, but obviously it was very good in his field. Uh, some schools actually stopped celebrating Halloween altogether and changed it to a fall festival.
1: Oh, I remember that. Yep. Sadie Hawkins.
0: At this time, New Jersey even passed a law for people that were found guilty of uh, contaminating candy. And in the 1980s, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this. I do. Hospitals started to offer to x-ray candy before you ate it. I sort of do remember that. I used yeah. to take
3: the candy to the hospital <laughs> when it wasn't even Halloween, and they were like, we're not doing this now.
0: Yeah. Uh, so in Pasadena, Texas, on one rainy Halloween night, the nightmare actually it's came It's called Stinkadena. So the evil crime committed that night is known as... The man that killed Halloween. Oh. And fuck. The candy man. Yep. Ugh. So on October 31st, 1974, a man by the name of Ronald O'Brien took his daughter and son out trick-or-treating with a few of the neighbor kids. And when he returned home, he allowed both of his children to eat one piece of candy no. before they went to bed. Yep. <laughs> his son Timothy, who was dressed up as a planet of the apes character, <laughs> ate one large pixie stick. It was one of five pixie sticks that the children had received that night. Mm. Now, according to Ronald, the powder had clumped up, so he put it in his hands and rolled it into his kid's mouth. <sighs> okay?
3: I never eat Pixie sticks. Minutes
0: me? later, Timothy began vomiting profusely and was rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced dead Fuck from cyanide man. poisoning. Oh, did they bury, did they bury him
3: in the Planet of Apes costume? <laughs> <laughs> they did not say. Shit.
0: Okay, I was just wondering. like, So the local cop uh, by the name of Ed, he was a retired lieutenant. He's interviewed. And according to Ed, he promised Ronald that they would catch the killer. So the entire community was, of course, crushed. Well, yeah, I mean, it can't be that hard. I mean, come
1: on.
3: Yeah,
0: it's got to be easy to try. Follow the pixie sticks. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I've always said that. So um, there's a funeral. Ronald sings a hymn to his deceased boy and says, you know, he's now in heaven. Uh, After the funeral, the police took Mr. O'Brien around the neighborhood, trying to find the house where he thought Timothy and the rest of the kids had received the pixie sticks. However, he couldn't remember which house it was, and he later fingered a man by the name. <laughs> did he? What are you guys nine? So,
2: okay. It's just
1: which so finger weird. did he use?
0: He later fingered a man by the name of Courtney Melvin. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I'll show you, Melvin. Fuck you, Courtney. The only problem sorry. was Mr. Melvin had an air. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. Melvin. Those. He had an airtight alibi. Uh, <laughs> okay, so he couldn't dude. have gotten fingered. Stinky. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua and Rebecca, they canvassed the neighborhood asking local residents what they think of the candy. Let me
3: guess at night.
1: Of course they did.
0: Yeah. Yep. So Joshua and Rebecca
1: recreating it.
0: Well, here's what they decided to do. Y'all finger Melvin? (laughs) They revisit the original (laughs) O'Brien home with a hidden camera in the car. Did
3: they go and do it at night?
0: Not this time, actually. (laughs) Um, But they find the current owner and they tell them about the tragedy that occurred in this home. And Rebecca is like uneasy about doing it. Right. She's like, you know, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. So they get to the door. And when the door opens, it's like a 90 year old frail woman. Uh. Okay, And they say, hey, do you know a man named Ronald O'Brien? She says, no. And then she says, well, did something really scary happen here? And he killed oh, kids in your shit. house. <laughs> so, and Joshua says, good night. Ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, and then he says, well, do you really want to know? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, he does do it. It's yeah. stupid. And he
0: does it twice. He goes, well, do you really want to know? And she goes, "He should not even allow her. She uh, should not even answer. Yeah. And he then he starts goes, talking about it. he's just like, yeah, this man killed this kid in this house. And it's just like, okay, did you really need to fucking freak out? A he could have been telling woman? her anything, by the way. <laughs> like, so like, anyway, about a month later, this is going back to the, the crime. The Pasadena Police Department arrested Ronald on murder charges. Mm. So the police had discovered that O'Brien had taken out a large insurance policy on his children, but not himself or his wife.
3: Or pixie sticks. The police, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Fuck me,
0: dude. So the police discover that he talked to numerous people about death by cyanide, and he also tried to buy cyanide. From local companies.
3: Well, okay, here's the deal. Where the fuck... I, I, I'm from Texas. Where do you buy cyanide in the yeah, 70s? how do you bring that up in conversation? I'll take a no. burger and fries. You have some cyanide? What, <laughs> what,
1: what industry do you even need cyanide for?
3: Probably welding. I don't know.
1: I, I don't nah, know. Nah, welding. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But a fucking
0: somebody fucking idiot. Somebody dropped a dime on him for yeah. trying to score cyanide. So back to Joel dime Best. Bag. Back to Joel Best, our sociologist. He says... Children dying from candy poisoning is largely a myth. According to him, he's never, ever been able to find any child that died due to poisoning except yeah. for
3: the documentary that he was in right
0: it's like just watch this documentary yeah. we, we, we found one buddy hey man
3: uh, it's right well, there yeah
0: Let's but it wasn't like know. it was
1: some that was like the family member who killed him it wasn't like no
0: the... he's saying he's never found a, a, a case of anybody mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. I see what yeah, you're yeah, saying. yeah okay. yeah it's not or, like
1: foreign it's not yeah. like you went trick-or-treating and right. got you know
0: right but his theory is this he says that the kids have made this myth larger because they've actually put the razor blades and the pin in the candy after getting home and then showing it to their parents and their parents being freaked out.
3: We used to do that, yeah. Yeah,
0: I think we probably all did it. Um, (laughs) So they interview a former assistant district attorney, Mike Hinton. Now, he's the guy that prosecuted the case. He's still a little bitter. Yeah. So... Joshua shows him a picture of Ronald, and the first thing he says is, look at that lion, son of a bitch. Oh, God. So James claims that Ronald's original intention was to not only poison his son, but to poison his daughter, oh, as fuck. well as two other neighbor kids. Whoa. But he wasn't able to do it because the poison acted so fast and the ambulance showed up too quickly for him to poison the rest of them.
3: They didn't have time-release cyanide capsules back then. Trust me, I looked at it. Yeah. Jesus. So uh, it took
0: a jury 45 minutes to find him guilty and another 75 minutes to sentence him to death. Now, check this out. Ironically, he was sentenced to die on Halloween. Oh, God. In 1966, exactly Mm -hmm. two years after the murder. Did he get to dress up? That's what I was always like. (laughs) (laughs) Did he dress up as an ape in his his son's honor? An homage? Yeah. Charlton Heston? (laughs)
1: God damn it, you damn dirty ape. (laughs) Uh, But you're so damn ugly.
2: (laughs) But you're so damn...
0: Anyway, Mike Hinton shares an old interview that he's got of Ronald with Joshua and Rebecca, where O'Brien claims he's innocent and has no physical guilt and is not worried about where he's going when he dies. Hinton jumps in and says, you're going straight to hell, buddy. <laughs> so this guy's still, this guy is, you know what he's like? He's like the guy from True Detective. I mean, he, this shit's haunted him. Yeah. It's fucked him up. So at the time, the, st- the death penalty was in a state of flux in Texas, so it was debated in the Supreme Court. It was ultimately upheld and he was executed. So um, they show the people that are like out in front of like the prison in Huntsville, and one of them holds a sign with a syringe that says, Kill him in vain. Creative, <laughs> creative, very creative <laughs> yeah. on that one. I got to tell you. Like, oh, yeah, V E I N. They hmm. went the right way. So um, Donahue gets involved and he, um, Phil sits down with him and says, now you're accused of ruining Halloween for everyone.
3: Well, how the fuck did they let him out for Donahue is what I was wondering. No, no, no. It's he like, didn't go out on location. Oh, I was <laughs> like, what the no, fuck? Like, he, hey, Donahue you gotta, went to him. He got to do the Donahue show. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Donahue says, well, that's just a matter of opinion. So yeah, he was given twice the amount, uh, recommended of lethal injection because he weighed 250 pounds. Okay. And he was executed in March of 1984. Now this is a huge deal at the time. People had Candyman death parties. Oh, like yeah. bars were doing promotions. Yeah, you know, like bucket of beer discount for the Candyman. Uh, people actually celebrated Halloween in March of that year. Did they dress up?
1: They didn't say. Honorary pixie sticks. You know, like. <laughs> you imagine
0: going as <laughs> yeah. a pixie stick. Yeah. Snort this. Uh, according to Bill Ellis, uh, professor emeritus at Penn State, what Ronald did is he used the urban legend as an alibi to try and get away with the murder by essentially taking a well-known scary story and making it true. Um, then Bill says,
3: personally, I couldn't have done
1: it. No, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, personally,
2: I, I'm,
3: you know, I just couldn't
1: Obviously, do that, man. I, yeah, you uh, couldn't kill your own child? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> It'd
3: be so hard to kill my
0: daughter. So Donna, view, uh, Donahue's interview with O'Brien. Phil asks him, Ronald, is it true that the inmates around here refer to you as the Candy Man?" And his response is this. That's it. Just a grin. Just a grin. Just a yeah, a creepy dude, it's creepy bad. Creepy yeah, creepy it's creepy not. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. So,
1: did he ever get paid out on his insurance claim? No, I don't think <laughs> yeah, I don't so. I don't think so. So,
0: on the way out of town, Joshua and Rebecca swing by his grave to check it out at night. Uh, no, <laughs> daytime
3: this time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Does tombstone say Candyman? No, it says <laughs> the candy man Oh, on the Candyman. Okay.
0: Okay. Pretty scary, huh?
1: Spooky. You
0: ready for part three? Let's hear it. Okay. Part three is titled, When a Stranger Calls. Oh, boy. Yep. Nice. So uh, part three essentially begins. Will this have
1: anything to do with a phone?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dave's a detective. Wow, Dave, you're on it today. Gum <laughs> shoe. Uh, non baked Dave coming through. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so part three begins with a clip. Uh, Mini clips actually from the horror classics: Halloween uh, from 1978, Uh, House of the Devil from 2009, and you probably know the trope: the babysitter is watching TV Mm -hmm. when she gets a mysterious phone call from a stranger after putting the kids to bed. Sure, you've seen this in Scream, Scream, yeah. When a stranger calls, uh, Urban Legend, uh, Black Christmas. (laughs) Um, So you all know pretty much the story, right? Uh, You know,
1: was Black Christmas the one with Chris Rock?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See that's and what? Is that a, a Medea?
1: I don't know. Is that a Medea? Yeah. A Madea movie? It was probably a Medea. Medea. Yeah, um, Black Mad- Christmas. Medea. Medea. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Women be shopping.
1: Big Mama's Black Christmas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway,
0: an unknown caller reaches out to the babysitter and tells her to check on the children, and the babysitter hangs up. She thinks it's a prank. Uh, the caller calls again, and the babysitter hangs up. And at this Fuck. point, she's terrified. I'm so terrified, she, dude. She's got to call the police. Yeah. So she calls the police and, um, you know, they said, we're tracking the situation. Phone rings again. Yeah. And this time you think it's going to be the killer, oh. but it's the police. <laughs> and they say, babysitter, the phone Call is coming from inside the house. Holy it's a shit. black Christmas. Is
1: that what it's cause? That's scary. I, I just got the children. Yeah, right so now. at
0: this exact moment, the babysitter notices somebody walking down the stairs. Oh fuck, yeah. dude. So anyway. Carrying a little baby. Now Joshua and Rebecca, they're stunned to realize that there weren't any cases on record of this ever happening. Hmm. They they went all the way back to the 1950s to find one. So they introduce us to the case of a 13-year-old babysitter, Jeanette Chrisman from Columbia, Missouri. Now, in this picture, she, she it's weird. She looked like she was 30.
3: Yeah. that's Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, she said she was like, back in the day, I'm like, you're clearly 40.
0: Yeah, but hmm. she was 13. So we're introduced Whoa. to her best friend at the time who was also a babysitter by the name of Carol Haley Holt. Now, the story goes, in March of 1950, Um, Jeanette was babysitting for a local family. And according to her, uh, she was also, this is Carol speaking, she was also babysitting down the street. Uh, And she even says, I had an uneasy feeling that night. She felt Mm. something was going on. And she even got up around midnight to check the door of the house that she was babysitting at. Now, the next morning, she's at home, and she gets a a phone call. Her mom takes a call, and they find out that Jeanette has been murdered.
1: Oh, fuck.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. There was a lot of thunder that night, and the mother of the child that Jeanette was babysitting was worried it would wake her up. So she actually called Jeanette, and when she called Jeanette, she got a busy signal. Oh shit!
1: They didn't
3: have caller waiting back then, so like you yeah, had to,
0: yeah. Party line. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. 60- beep, beep, That's Beep beep. Well, you could not star sixty nine. The the caller. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dummy, I got star sixty nine.
0: It turns out that you know Jeanette, you know, had, like I said, had called the police, but she'd left the phone off the hook. So the cops couldn't trace the call. Mm. Now, uh, she had skin under her fingernails. Ugh. Naturally. And, and they found that she had been strangled. Now, interestingly, the killer had used an ironing cord. That's what I'd use. Oh. Yep. The crime was high, he, uh, majorly publicized and still has not been solved to this wow. day. So Joshua and Rebecca, they track down the old
3: house and knock on the door. Day or night. <laughs> They're, time. Th- they're just fucking constantly fucking with old people at <laughs> night, dude. It's just so stupid. It's like, hey, let's guess what? Someone was killed here.
0: Anyway, there's no old lady at the door this time. They do find a young woman out front watering the lawn, hmm. and she's never heard of the former residence. But an older couple across the street sees the film crew. Sure. And they're like, what's going on? Yeah. So the camera crew goes to the other side uh, of the street. Uh. Well, it turns out this older couple claimed that a couple of years ago, a man knocked on their door asking them if this was the house that Jeanette had been murdered in. And they say, no, it's actually across the street. And then the man revealed himself to be the child that Jeanette had been babysitting. No. Yeah. And then those wow. people said, no, it was the house uh, across the street. Chills, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, interestingly enough, they also learn from this older couple that there was another uh, rape and murder uh, of a woman named Mary Lou Jenkins. Um, so, Four years prior to this, Mary Lou Jenkins was found home alone and found dead after being raped. She was also found with a cord wrapped around Uh -uh. her neck.
3: But she was an ironer, so... Anyway, a
0: mentally challenged African-American by the name of Floyd Cochran, who'd previously been charged with murdering his wife, was charged with the
3: crime and executed within a year. How the fuck can you be retarded named Floyd Cochran? That's what I'm trying
0: to figure <laughs> out. That's
2: part of
1: sorry. the lineage <laughs> of Cochran's.
3: Jeez, it's like a- Joshua
0: and Rebecca, uh, they tracked down a local historian by the name of Mary Beth Brown, and she believes that Floyd was innocent. According to her, Floyd was guilty of killing his wife in the domestic dispute... But after reading the trial transcripts, she doesn't believe he had the wherewithal to commit the Mary Lou Jenkins murder. Because he was black, yeah. (laughs) No, because he was handicapped. Oh, 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 because he, okay, yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. Yeah. So, actually, it was due to the fact Mary Jane, uh, uh, excuse me, Mary Beth Brown believes the reason that Cochran was innocent is because of the identical matching cords. They were cut. They oh. were not ripped from the walls or anything. Oh. And Floyd died in between the murders. He was executed. So she's convinced it was the same person, and Floyd was an innocent man. Her top suspect is a man by the name of Robert Mueller.
3: The independent special counsel that headed up the Trump investigation? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why would he fucking have anything to now, do with that?
0: But here's the thing. He does look a little, <laughs> little bit like him, I will admit. No, he was a high school friend, bullshit
1: ass Mueller investigation. of the man
0: that lived in the house that Jeanette babysit at. Now, according to police, Mueller had often commented on Jeanette being a virgin.
3: I'm pretty sure all thirteen year olds are virgins. <laughs> yeah, I What yeah. the <laughs> fuck? Like where the fuck? How'd you go down the street? Very good point. Yeah. Hey, that that girl's, girl's a virgin. virgin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh Hopefully. really?
0: Yeah, because yeah. she's in a sixth grader. Yeah. So, yeah. Or a seventh grader.
3: Hey, those middle school kids are virgins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, Hey, look at that
0: girl. I wonder if she's a virgin. Of (laughs) course she is, Bob. No fucking on that bus. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) He had also alluded to knowing intimate details of the crime, and uh, police investigated it, and he also passed a polygraph
3: test. They didn't have those in the 1950s. Where were they? like two soup cans attached (laughs) to string. (laughs) Don't lie. A grand jury
0: convened to indict him but declined to do so due to insufficient evidence. Now, Rebecca and Joshua, they're not satisfied. So they contact the local sheriff's office for more information. But they're like, who? What? 52? What year? They're like, no. So they head on down to the Historical Society, and they find documents involving her case. So according to some testimony that they dug up, somebody claimed Mueller knew Jeanette and commented on her well-developed. Physique. Oh, her bosoms, maybe? Correct. She did have a rack. Now, uh. remember, <laughs> she did. Now, they showed a picture of her at 13, but she looked 30.
1: Yeah. So they The fi- pictures were like that back then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they find crime scene photographs. This is very uh, gory what they find. Ugh. Jeanette's on the ground. She's got the cord wrapped around her neck. And they surmise it had to have been an inside job because they think the intruder broke the window and the glass hadn't disturbed anything on the piano.
3: Well, that was quick, yeah. Yeah, they like just wrapped it up. Clo- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, nothing weird happened here. So
0: furthermore, Mueller had called Jeanette's mother the exact same night, requesting her to babysit, but she'd already taken the other gig. So they interview another local historian by the name of Joan Sorrells, who believes there were other rapes connected to these crimes. According to Joan, And newspaper articles, there was another woman who was raped a couple blocks away while she was babysitting, and the rapist wore a mask. She also claimed that Robert Mueller was interested in the theater and made masks as Mm. well. So a black man by the name of Jake Bradford was charged on the (laughs) rapes in 1949 and confessed.
3: No black man named Jake
0: Bradford. (laughs) She believes he was innocent too, because it's the South, and according to her, At her 1951 graduation, when she went to football games, the band played Dixie and they all sang along to it. So Joshua says, What's that mean? And she gives this face, like, You dumb fuck. Yeah. You know, she's like, Dixie's a Confederate song. Yeah. So once again, Joshua and Rebecca, they head out to a secluder's lovered lane called Henson Creek at night. Bingo. According to them, People have told them this is where all the rapes go down. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all okay. wanna go hey. to the rape park? <laughs> yep. Gonna... And they're out there with their flashlights poking around.
1: Yeah. So
0: they see a car about a hundred yards away from them. And it flashes their lights at them. Oh fuck. Because they don't want to be interrupted by these two. Because they're fucking
3: boner killers. They need yeah. to be <laughs> investigating in the daytime. Yeah. Like, be- get the fuck People back. are trying to yeah. fuck
0: idiots. They push on though, <laughs> and they find the location where a 16-year-old babysitter claims she was raped by a man wearing a Halloween mask. Now, the interesting thing about this case is the man took off his Halloween mask and put it on the babysitter's face before he raped her. Yeah. The old script flip. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So remember our old professor and folklore expert, Stephen Winnick? Oh, yeah. yeah. So he brings up a very good point and mentions that the act of babysitting, by definition, doesn't change or affect your chances of getting murdered. That's true. However, he does believe all of the victims in these killings and rapes were most likely known by the killer to be babysitting on those particular nights. Wow. So to try and get to the bottom of everything, Joshua and Rebecca, they uh, they interview a criminal Profiler out of Kansas City. He's a German national by the name of Peter Brandt to determine (laughs) if Robert Mueller was the murderer and the rapist. He says, All signs point (laughs) to Mueller. His theory is because Jeanette was instructed by the owner of the house how to use the shotgun in case anybody came to the house. And the, the shotgun was on the other side of the house where the window was broken. So his theory is the intruder smashed the window on the far side of the house to draw her there. Then he went around and grabbed the shotgun. Wow. Yep. And he only could have done that if he had known the house intimately. And he did because he was friends with the owner of the house. He also points out that the rapes ended when Mueller left town. Now, they counter and say, well, don't forget, 500,000 American men also left town to go join the Korean War. So... They don't really get too much, except that the gun is connected on the other side of the house. Mm-hmm. Now, Professor Emeritus of Penn State, Bill Ellis, points out: in truth, there aren't very many cases of babysitters being killed, but there is a huge number of cases of babysitters killing children.
1: Ah, uh, that's even worse. Yeah, that's what I'm
3: scared of. I don't give a shit about babysitting.
1: Uh, I've but heard, like- I've had, I've heard a couple <laughs> stories about child. <laughs> What, child like in, in your hometown. No, no, no. Like child in the microwave oh, from okay. the babysitter oh.
0: and shit. I've heard oh. A couple <laughs> stories. That's
1: fucking crazy. All right. Well, that ends. Well, baby caskets are kind of cute though. They that, are
0: small. That ends part three. Are you guys ready for your final urban legend? Let's hear it. I'm ready. This one's called
1: Why So Serious?
0: Oh, oh wow. He did it. Yep. So Joshua and Rebecca head off to Chicago in the nineteen eighties.
3: Because they're time travelers. Kind of.
0: Uh, they're just using literary license to tell oh, their story. I thought it was... Yeah. Back so in the day. it's time to delve into a time of innocence lost, and innocence lost to clowns. Okay. In the old days, clowns were thought of as innocent Oh, fuck. We're getting happy. to the clowns. Yeah, I know. Oh, they saved it. it for last for a happy reason. Halloween. <sighs> so in the old days, clowns were thought of as innocent and happy characters, the kind you would see at a circus. Well, before modern times, clowns as we know them, they were actually court jesters, okay? And they were considered mischievous tricksters, and they had special status which allowed them to mock kings and queens in court, nobility. So their function in society was to entertain, but they also had a mean streak. But what is it of clowns of today that led them to something evil, Well, according to Joshua, many associate this transformation when clowns came out of the Big Top and into morning television. Are you Uh, talking about Pee
3: Wee Herman's Big Top?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Pretty close. So, you know, in the 50s, they had all those clown shows. When the TV began in the 50s, so they were like, you know, morning entertainment for children. Okay. So... Joshua and Rebecca focus on a number of incidences when clowns began approaching students near schools and playgrounds. Now, apparently, the epicenter of these clown sightings is the city of Chicago, but nobody can remember when it started. So they often used balloons or candy to lure the gullible ones. I would use the I
3: would use the horn. Yeah, or the nose. Yeah, you know? the red nose. Yeah, the big van. That's what I like. But... Well, we're going to get to the vans, according oh, to Joshua. Boy.
0: If you ask anyone that's seen them, you saw them driving a white van first and then a face painted white behind the wheel, a.k.a. the
3: killer clowns. No,
1: and no. the
0: only thing they wanted was to kidnap kids just like us.
3: You mean us? Yeah, us, us. Us, us.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: Us. Uh, yeah, Joshua and Rebecca, they find a clown abduction site in Chicago from 20, or 2008 well, apparently the clown was just God, hanging 2008? Yeah. Jesus. This was the site where a clown was just hanging out in a playground with balloons. Now, oh, no God. adults actually saw the clown, but many children came forward. A lot of 13-year-old virgins. Kids. That's yep. creepy. All these kids told their parents about the mysterious clown. And as they're standing there having this conversation on the corner... A man comes out of nowhere and says, Hey, y'all making
3: a documentary? It's just which has gotta <laughs> be him oh, because yeah. it's yes. yeah, he's turning to the scene of the crime. It's yep. gotta be him. That's what I think. He's a too. creep too, yeah. Yep.
0: So he's got tons to talk. He's flapping his gums. They ask, you know, him if the locals believe it happened. He says, Yes, it definitely happened because people told him, told him from the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah and he
3: did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, oh, it happened. Here. He was like, <laughs> yeah. I was here yeah. for yeah. two
0: yeah. or three yeah. weeks. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly that. what happened. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> So they keep going through the streets, interviewing more, you know, people, and they're like, "Yeah, it definitely happened, but we never saw anybody." And at this time, they bring in an author by the name of Joe Durwin, who wrote a book called "The Trickster." Now, Joe is an in-depth discusser of chlorophobia, which it's is a, no
3: laughing matter,
0: right? Do you know what chlorophobia is? The fear of clowns. Correct. Yes. Correct. According to Joshua and Rebecca, there was an outbreak of these clowns in the Chicago area in 1991. Apparently, many of the sightings came from a, uh, a very uh, dilapidated uh, project. Um, the Projects, what's the word I'm looking for? Project uh, homes, yeah. The yeah. Hood? <laughs> yeah, it, it called Cabrini Green. So it's one of the most notorious slums in Chicago. It, it was also the filming location for the movie Candyman. Don't mm. say it two more times. So at this point, they also highlight the famous clown in the storm drain scene from It.
1: Ah, shit.
0: Yep. They also track down the location from the infamous Homie the Clown sightings. Now, I hadn't heard of this
1: before. I feel like I've heard of Homie the Clown. Of
0: course you have. It was Living Color, dude.
1: Oh, yeah. But we don't play That's that. That's right. Home- so there was That's a series right. of Homie
0: the Clown sightings. Oh, fuck. So they interview a local reporter named Isaiah Thompson, who covered the Homie the Clown sightings. He doesn't really have much to add except he says the homie the clown sightings um they were precursors to earlier clown sightings in chicago in 1981
3: which i found to be impossible because the wayne brothers there's no way they could have been the locations at the sighting <laughs> yeah. because they were in los angeles yeah. doing in living color
0: yeah. yeah exactly
1: so they realized the clowns they were doing that. They were behind the newsstand all that time. Exactly, the Wayne's brothers. But they're
0: trying to get to the <laughs> bottom.
1: <laughs> they were working for the pops behind the newsstand. I don't get the joke.
0: <laughs> the brother brother, shows. Wayne's brothers. Wayne's brothers show. This what their job. Was oh, the, the oh. Ma- magazine
1: stand? Got it.
0: Got it. So they're trying to get to the origin of this whole thing. So um, they they surmise it couldn't have been from Poltergeist because there was a very famous scene in Poltergeist where the son is on the bed and the clown comes and strangles him. Oh, fuck. But they were like, <laughs> but they, were like they were before that. And then they're like, it couldn't have been it because Stephen King wrote that in 86 and it was released in 1990. So then they do big, deep dives and they find that clowns had actually appeared as early as 67 uh, in the state of California, uh, 1980 in New Jersey, Boston Providence. Wasn't there
1: Gacy? Wasn't John Wayne you Gacy? you just
0: wait? Sorry, I mean, uh, just yeah. sorry, Sorry, sorry. Uh, there were Phoenix sightings in 85, Galveston, Texas 92, Washington and Maryland 1991. It wasn't just a U.S. phenomenon because there were sightings in Scotland as well. No, now, fuck. additional clowns were spotted in Latin America, Mexico, and Central America through the mid-90s. So, according to Thompson, the most intriguing part of the mystery is how the clown spreading started as there was no internet back then so um the interesting thing is it's clowns it's never witches it's never zombies or vampires it was just killer clowns yeah so this was back in the days when missing kids began showing up on mill cartons you know early 80s the good old days yeah yep it was also the time when gacy was discovered to be the most Prolific serial killer of all time. Yeah. Gacy murdered 33 men between uh, 72 and 78.
3: The goat. Yeah. <laughs> now,
0: a lot of people do not know that Gacy also dressed as a clown that went by the name of Pogo. Yep, yep. But Gacy never dressed as a clown to lure his victims. Ah. He wore the clown outfit to be the big head honcho in the neighborhood. That was his whole gig, you know, Interesting. Gig. So Joshua and Rebecca, they meet up with Bob Egan, the guy that prosecuted Gacy, along with Cook County Detective Jason Moran at the address of the old Gacy home, which has since been raised and a new home's been built. And according to Egan, they found 29 bodies under
3: his house. Did they go at night? Like, no. They, <laughs> like, hey, do you know there's some dead bodies under here? They're always fucking with so people. So here's right? the thing: I still can't imagine
0: they raised the house and then they rebuild another house. That's what they did in Poltergeist, and it didn't work. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Who's that? Property value would be to me worth like five bucks. Yeah, it's hard
3: yeah. to sell dead kids' foundations. It's hard, yeah, it's hard yeah. to buy
1: a house that had 30 dead people underneath yeah. it. Yeah, it's hard like, to sell property. It's hard to sell. <laughs> Um, we well, got a really good deal
0: on it. <laughs> according to Detective Moore. I saw a few people die,
1: <laughs> According to
0: Detective Moore, Pogo the Clown was an extremely creepy clown. Yeah.
1: This shocker. Was,
0: this was most likely due to the fact that Pogo. Yeah, yeah one po- on his
1: hand. A shocker on his hand. <laughs>
0: This was most likely due to the fact that Pogo's makeup included triangular points around his eyes and his mouth. Now, according to clown Mm experts, regular clowns do not have any sharp angles in their normal makeup Mm. because it scares kids and connotes evil.
1: I guess it's more of a mime thing then, huh? Yes, The, yes. the, the diamonds. The gloves are off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, <laughs> Joshua, <laughs> <better beware. laughs> Joshua and Rebecca, they meet up with noted clown historian Ken Melvin Berg. It's fucking now, Melvin again. Ken, Ken understands the dark side of clowns. Yeah. So he gets dressed up as a clown. And then he takes Joshua and Rebecca for a ride in a van. At night? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, that's just what they always do. Like. He was in the daytime. But here's what's weird. As soon as he gets in the van, Ken sees a kid biking down the sidewalk. And he says, game on, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> oh, God. Then he honks the horn at the kid and laughs. Oh, fuck. Like <laughs> that a never clown?
1: worked for me, dude. I Did he laugh like a clown, though? No, just oh.
0: real creepy-like. So according to Ken, Chicago is unique in that it is the home to all the major clown stories, clown history, and clown mythology like no other city. And it all dates back to the 1890s when the Columbian Exposition brought clowns to the city just to entertain people.
3: That's why I hate Colombians. Fast
0: forward to 1950, Bob Bell, he was the man that starred as the original Bozo the Clown. Um, He claims that the Bozo the Clown stat Set is still at WGN, and it's haunted. I want to yeah. go, honestly, why not? see it. Why not? Why not? <laughs> now, according to Ken, the real clown panic happened after Gacy was caught. And people like him are, that are a little sadistic makes it that much more interesting for people that are afraid of clowns. He says this as he pulls up to a stop sign wearing the clown mask, and these people are looking over from a car, and then he just gives them a creepy wave. Oh, God, just like a weird... So he's really leaning yeah. into his dark side as a clown. And, of course, people are, like, looking, and he's occasionally honking at them. Now, Ken explains that the ultimate spot to see in Chicago regarding clown lore is a place called Shulman's Rest.
3: His house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> underneath his house. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> now, this place is a monument to a circus clown group of people in a cemetery. So the cemetery is the final resting place of clowns and circus performers that died in one of the worst train wrecks in American history.
1: Holy shit! Like a Barnum and ba-
0: Bailey's. Yeah, pretty close. So on June twenty second, nineteen eighteen a train conductor fell asleep at the wheel and collided into an idle sleeping car housing the performers of the Hagenbach-Wallace Circus. Many were killed on impact, but those that didn't per- that didn't perished in a fire. 86 performers Holy were killed, shit. and many were unable to be identified. They were all buried in a mass grave Fuck. called Shulman's Rest. Now, one of the surviving clowns he lost his entire family. His name was Joe Coyle. He lost two kids and his wife. He was previously a jovial clown, and then he turned to dressing in rags and played a sad clown. Could the they not identify
3: life. him because they were dressed up like clowns?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: no, they were burned. Oh,
3: okay, that's they're burnt. Up
1: Bur- up oh, burnt
0: to a crisp. Yeah, not. Oh, yeah. I thought they were dressed up. Just want so to make sure that's what you said. Rebecca and Josh go to the cemetery and discover many unmarked graves Midnight. night. Yeah, they did. They went at night. Joshua exclaims, maybe it all started in Chicago with the deaths of these clowns. <coughs> maybe all it takes is a little tragedy to unlock the dark places in our mind. One thing is for certain, there's no going back to the innocent clown. Scales have been tipped, and <laughs> the evidence proves it. Clowns can do scary things. Doing they can good. even become killers. hmm But lastly, they highlight the Aurora, Colorado, July 20th, 2012 incident where James Holmes dressed up as the Joker and showed up to a screening of The Dark Knight Rises and killed 12 people and wounded 70 more. Remember remember that? that. I do remember that. The guy that looked like Sideshow Bob.
3: Liberated Mm. him, yeah. Yeah.
0: Liberated Uh, him. What's that? (laughs) According to Joshua... The killer clown lurks inside of all of us. (laughs) Bill Ellis, Professor Emeritus, agrees. We are really kind of a parliament of personalities. The killer clown is one of our personalities. It is part of us. And therefore, we have to be very careful not to let the killer clown out. Except in a safe way. Yeah. Except (laughs) in a playful way. (laughs) That's how I do it, yeah. Yep. So Joshua bookends the final narration here and says, peel back the layers of any campfire tale and you understand the inherent truth that despite our need to believe in an evil, in a darker force, it just isn't true. In the end, the only real boogeyman is the one that lurks inside of us all, waiting for the right moment to emerge. Be afraid, not of the story,
3: but of the storyteller. Wow, that's killer legends
0: killer legends
3: i'm afraid of that guy that said hey come over here and look at this house
1: (laughs) what was your favorite of the four
0: um i mean i lean towards the candy man just Mm -hmm. because i find it so fascinating that somebody could try and kill i mean it could have been a lot worse too sure i mean he put a pixie stick of cyanide in in the kid's
3: mouth yeah but what did the kid do that's what i wanted to ask like what did you do? Deserve to yeah. get murdered? Yeah.
0: Oh,
1: he
3: didn't eat his vegetables. No, I hate deep dish pizza, but I like the clown one. Uh, what about you, Dave?
0: Which I think I like? enjoyed
1: uh, the hook story. Of yeah. course you did. Yeah.
0: yeah. The, they're they're all good. Yeah. Um, as far as the documentary
3: itself, um, where do you rate this? I think. <laughs> You gotta watch it just to hear Chris do the voice because it sounds funny. Late at night, I give it a four docking.
0: See, I think this is two docking material. What? Okay. Yeah. Finally. Um, yeah. Dock this. I don't think. Like, here's the thing. If they hadn't have done this hokey shit about <laughs> let's go out at night with our flashlights and oh, running yeah. the Yeah, but webs. they found
3: that tree. Remember?
0: Yeah, they did. They they matched up the tree. That was good. Um, The thing I got away from this is that I learned about the movie, uh, the town, the dreaded sundown, and Mm. I'd never seen it. And I watched it, and I loved it. Mm. So if though. you should, you should actually should have checked it out a week ago, both of you. When I said, guys, if you want to (laughs) help me out on the show, we can get
3: some spring rolls and watch it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So
0: it's two dockings for me, and I still think that's being generous. (laughs) I I I really debated on this. Am I going to give it one and a half to two? I'm going to give it two. Uh, But you do not need to watch this. Um, We made it it, just as entertaining uh, to listen to it. Um, So that is episode 12 of Down on the Docks. Now, as always, guys, we depend on you um, to put this show out. So what we ask is, if you have time, uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, And if you have the time, write a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Or even tell us what you'd like us to cover. We also have uh, a Twitter handle, uh, Down on the Docs Pod. Same thing with Instagram, Down on the Docs Pod. And of course, if you want to send us an email for any reason, you can email us at down on the Pod at gmail.com. The Discord has been popping.
1: Discord's great.
0: Shout out to Retard Sexual Blowtorch60 for a brilliant meme of last week's episode. He made
1: me a personal meme as well. That's
0: right. I hope you compensated him for his work. I did. So uh, we will see you next week, and happy Halloween, and be safe out there, and don't eat any candy candy (laughs) unless you x-ray it. Yeah, I got to x-ray it. All right, take it easy. We're out.